So John chapter 5 verse 1 says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And we learned in John chapter 4, Jesus' interaction with a woman at a well. And I preached a message or a series uh, called Obey Your Thirst from there. And so we're jumping back in here. It says, after this, after those things happened, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool. Everybody say a pool. In Aramaic, which is a form of Hebrew, called Bethesda. Uh, Some translations say Bethsaida or Bethesda is also uh, the word that it's called there, which has five roofed colonnades. Somebody say five. There's that word five again. So we got the five from there as well as being in John chapter five. And I'll show you as we go on why that means so much. In these five laid colonnades or or porches around the pool, uh, in these lay a multitude of invalids. And the Bible says blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he already had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Go ahead and ask him a question. Say, neighbor, oh neighbor, do you want to be healed? That's a good question. I like that, Jesus. And then verse 7 says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus answered him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And the ninth verse will end here says, and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Praise the Lord. Man, you know, how many of you are parents in here? Let me see the hands of those who are parents. Okay. Parents, awesome. You know, one of the things about my children is that they often say that they want things. But when you really look at their actions, right, you see that there's that their actions are actually indicating something totally different. I'll never forget when my son... Gabriel, he was so just into, he still is into basketball, but he at some point was like, man, it was a big deal for him to go to school to make sure before the bell would ring, because he and his friends would play ball before school starts. And so he would be like, dad, I want you to take me to school early. I want to get there early so I can go and play with my friends early. You know, they ought to say it like over and over again. He's like, I just want to go early, you know, and I'm like, okay, son. You know, you got to, I'll take you, I'll take you. I want you to have a social life. I don't know how much of a social life you can have like in the second, third grade. But nonetheless, you know, I said, I'll take you. So the next day, I'll never forget, you know, I woke up and I'm, you know, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to take them early. It's already a stretch because it's so early in the morning, but I'm like wiping the, the boogers out my eyes and I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. I get myself ready. I'm like, I'm like, where's Gabe? You know, Gabe is just getting up. Jabe is just getting himself going. Hasn't had no breakfast, didn't brush his teeth, didn't do anything, but he's yet and still. I'm like, son, what happened? I thought you said you wanted to go to school early to play basketball. And see, the thing is that although he exclaimed that he wanted to go to school early to play basketball, although he made it clear with his mouth, his actions indicated something different. 
How many of you know this morning as we get the preach started? The fact of the matter is that there are many people who say that they want something to happen in their life. But just because something happens out of your mouth does not mean that your actions are indicative of such. Are you going to stay with me this morning? And so here in the text, we find this individual, this man who is at this pool called Bethesda. And in fact, the Bible actually makes it clear that Bethesda is a word that means house of mercy. Everybody say house of mercy or flowing waters. And so this was a place where, where, which was a house of considered like a place of mercy. And the reason why this was considered is because all these people would come and what would happen is that they would put sick people in the water because at the time when the angels troubled the water, so they would say, people would get healed when they went. So it was considered, this is a place of mercy where God is showing mercy to people. And so those who were sick were able to get in the water and they were able to be healed. The first person to get in there, that is what would happen for them. And so Bethesda is this place where this is happening. And the Bible says that it was filled with people. I'm going somewhere filled with people who were invalids. Everybody say invalid. And man, those are, that sounds like some Caribbean word, you know, like it's Caribbean folk that like really, I don't know if you, you're invalid. Maybe you never got called anything like that, you know. But the fact is that he says that invalids are there and these individuals, invalid, invalid the word there uh, is the word asteneo in the Greek. Everybody say asteneo. The Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek. And Aramaic here in the Greek, it says it means it's asteneo. And that word is defined as weak or feeble or powerless or to be without strength. Clearly, in this moment, it was predominantly people who were physically weak and who were in this position that they classified as such. And this is why they showed up at the pool or were brought to this pool because they were in need of deliverance from their situation. Who's with me this morning? And so the fact of the matter is that we find this story here. We find this individual here who is who is in this position where he has been an invalid for 38 years. The Bible says somebody say a long time. And so here at these five porches where he's experiencing this thing, the Bible says uh, the Bible says that Jesus saw him lying there in verse six and knew that he had already been there for a long time. And he asked him the question, do you want to be healed? Now, before I address with address that question, I wonder if there's anybody in here in one way or another who have ex- is experiencing right now or has been in an experience where you feel like an invalid, where you feel weak and powerless. So there's something that you may be in the middle of right now that has you feeling like you're in a bound position. It has you, you know, it might be something, a mindset or a form of depression that or or something that is with you and as you go out and as you come in it just seems like a gray cloud is just following you all the time i might not be yet walking down your road but if you live long enough or if you'll be honest with yourself i know i can be a witness that there are things in my life right now that make me feel weak and powerless come on somebody is anybody gonna be real with me on this morning 
And so it might not be a sickness. It might not be a form of cancer. But to you, it might be a person in your life that may be abusive. To you, it may be a sickness. I don't know what it is that you're facing or dealing with. But at the end of the day, there are things in our life that bring us to this place. And I just think, you know, when you think about this question uh, that Jesus asks this man, it almost seems like, why in the world? Like, Jesus, are you okay? Like, why would you ask this guy? He's been there, the Bible says, for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. 38 years facing these things and you know and I don't know about you but you know there's there's some things that you face that are quick but there are other things that you face that are just things that are just prolonged and they just go on in your life and they just never come to a ceasing place or a stopping place has anybody ever felt like you were in the middle of something or dealt with something that just would not go away it's like, man, yo, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Have you ever been in that place before? And you're saying, man, just get away and nothing what you do. You shouted and you danced and you did all your stuff and you try and it just does not seem to go away. And I've been in that position and there are things, there's something in particular in my life that I've had to fight and deal with. But the thing is, the fact is here in the text that Jesus asked this question. And the reason why he asked this question, if I could just get this party started by announcing the fact that just because, watch this, just because uh, everyone, someone is bound does not mean that they are ready to be delivered. Can I just keep it real on this morning? The fact is that just because somebody is bound, it does not mean that they are ready to be delivered. I told you, Gabe decided, Gabe was talking about how he wanted to go and play basketball at school. But the fact is that even though he had that desire, he was not in position to be able to experience what he wanted when the time came about. And so I just, you know, if I can just postulate these five things for you here, if we just would say, uh, so the, the series five, uh, there are five, obviously we're in John chapter five, and I told you that there were five porches, which we're going to deal with uh, later on in the series. I just kind of want to start and work the middle and then we'll go back to the top and then we'll go back, uh, we'll go to the bottom later. Uh, but if you will, this question, I want to wonder, we're saying, why is it that Jesus would ask this question? Because I believe that Jesus is posing this same question to many of us today and you know the thing I love about it is is that the Bible says that Jesus knew that he had been there for 38 years can I just let you know that somebody that feels like you're all by yourself or your situation is going you're the thing you're going through and you're saying man how in the world could God let me face what I'm facing I mean it seems as if I've been abandoned it seems like what I'm going through is something that absolutely makes no sense and that God has forgotten me but in fact go ahead and help me preach to your neighbor if you will look at him and just tell him neighbor come on tell him you are not forgotten come on come on in fact, look at somebody else that was good enough to preach to your next neighbor. Give him a high five. Tell him, neighbor, God has not forgotten about you. Come on. God has not forgotten about you. The Bible says that it knew how that the, Jesus knew how long he was dealing with what he was dealing with. And so God knows he sees you and he understands how long you've been going through what you've been going through. But can I hit you with five things in the first one? Somebody say number one. The first one why Jesus is asking this question is because the length of our suffering doesn't determine our desire for deliverance. Think it, think it, think it, think it, think it. The length of our
our suffering doesn't determine our desire for deliverance. Let me help you to understand some people. The reason why Jesus can ask this question is like I told you, not everybody is necessarily ready. And the fact is that many of us, we've been dealing with stuff for an elongated period of time. But the fact is, even though we've been dealing with these things, it does not mean even after time that we desire to get rid of that which has had us bound. Can I be real this morning? Can I help you? Can I break it down at one level lower? Watch this. Uh, I'm going to drop it like it's hot right here. We often become so addicted to the emotions that accompany our issue. So, so, so the things, the, the victimization, the, 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 the feeling of, you know, the, the feeling of attention that comes, that comes with it, the feeling of rejection that comes oftentimes with the things that we are facing. We're so, we, we become in a place of comfortability because we, we, in a twisted way, become addicted to the emotions that are associated with that which happened to us. Has anybody ever been there before? Where you like when people are paying you all the attention. You like to be the victim in the situation. And it's twisted. You like when the spotlight is on you. You don't have to raise your hand. But oftentimes, that's the thing. That's one of the issues that stops us from being able, when Jesus said, do you want to be made whole, to be able to say yes. And I remember, you know, there was a time in my life, there was something that I was facing. It was a hard thing, man, that really had a grip on my mind. And I remember it was so insane that I'll never forget this moment. I was playing, Johnny, I was playing in service and and I was playing this music and, you know, we were in worship. And it was one of those moments where God, I actually had a moment where, because this was something that was plaguing my mind nonstop. And I actually had a moment where I no longer felt that thing and I had to, this is exactly what I did. I literally, instead of just saying, man, it's gone and just saying, okay, I'm free. I literally started searching my thoughts. Like, what was it that had me bound? What was it? What was that? What was it? Because the emotions and the stuff that I was feeling, I wasn't feeling it no more. And it was kind of like a drug of some sort. Like I had to go back and search for the thing and it came back on me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because oftentimes we're so addicted to the emotions, come on somebody, to the emotions that are, that are, that accompany our issue. So the length of time you've been dealing with something doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to get out. Can I hit you with number two? Somebody say number two. Why would Jesus ask him if he wanted to be made whole? And if I was to title this message, I would ask the question, you ready? Number two, many times, many times we fear what life will be like outside of our situational cage. Let me say it again. Many times we fear what life will be like outside of our situational cage. So uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, that's why like you see those stories, of course, where birds, birds that may have been in a position where they're in a cage and the door is closed and then they get to a place where they where the cage door is open and, you know, you wait for them to move out. And guess what happens? They stay right there. Because they're so accustomed to being in the cage that it's like, what is, what's, on, what's going on outside that door? People who have literally been in prison or in jail for long periods of time, oftentimes they become so acclimated to being in the prison system and being in that reality. Come on, church. That once you, that oftentimes they'll go out and become repeat offenders because they fear the real world. 
because they're so accustomed to being bound and many of us many of us we are in that position of fear where we're scared about what it would look like because we're so accustomed to being in the cage but i'm here to tell you baby this morning i showed up to tell one or two people that god's deliverance is far better than satan's imprisonment who'd i show up to preach to on this morning Ah, uh, my god you know i want you to understand this can i help you the fact of the matter is that sometimes the reason why fear is such an issue is because sometimes watch this the effects of fear itself are worse than if our fear actually came to pass so sometimes jason the stuff that we are fearing right uh the fear itself the the actual participation in fear it weighs us down and jacks us up more than actually if the things that we are fearing were to come to pass in our lives and so many of us invest more time in being scared than we do in walking in freedom that the fear jacks us up worse than if the thing actually happened are you with me this morning so firstly so firstly uh the length of our suffering does it determine our desire for deliverance number two uh, it says many times we fear what life will be like outside of our situational cage and i just got three more for you is that okay and so three more three more uh, the next one is watch this our perspective is often rooted in our reality instead of god's ability so this man is bound obviously as you heard for 38 years and he is in this position and he is bound and so the fact of the matter is that when jesus asked him this question will you be made whole i'm sure that his thought is look at where i'm at right now and many of us the reason why we don't experience deliverance in our lives when jesus asks us the question or the reason why he has to ask us that question is because we look at our reality and we base our we we uh we look more at our reality than the ability that god has to bring us out of what we're facing and so you need to understand that god's ability is not squelched or determined by your reality let me say that again because the mic don't want me to preach, uh, but I'm still going to preach anyway. The fact is that your situation and your reality does not determine God's ability. And oftentimes we don't want to walk in freedom because of the fact that we're looking at God and his ability based on our situation. But can I help you to understand? I remember, you know, I was in the backyard and... Uh, I was in the backyard and I was in a situation where, uh, you know, I don't know how many of you, in fact, if you want to hear me scream like a girl, let a bee come around. I just can't, I don't do bees, man. I don't do bees and I don't do spiders. You know, I, I can mess with reptiles. I'm the dude running after lizards and snakes and all that stuff and frogs and those things are cool. But for so, I just, the thought, the thought of it, you know, I'm that dude, like, you know, those memes, you know, the dude that tries to catch the spider and it falls down and they just burn the house down. I'm just like, forget about it. I don't, I, just, just the thought that this thing is just going to pop up out of the, in the middle of the night and just, I'm just going to see it just crawling all over my face. And I lived in California, so it was pretty crazy. I came home one day and there was a black widow on my front door. Come on, somebody. It was like, baby, get the matches. You know, it was serious. But anyway, so I'm in the backyard and there was a bee and I caught this revelation because the bee, man, when you think about a bee, in comparison to who I am, a bee is literally like this small. Are you with me? But this little bee 
that's so small still causes me to freak out and to scream like Claire, my daughter, because the fact is that this bee has a stinger. Are you with me? And so, you know, it's crazy. Many of us, the thing that you are fearing is so much smaller, not only than you, but in in the sum total of your life. But the thing that you are facing is most definitely not bigger than your God. And you know what happens? Because this is the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter, Laura, is that when you go, they'll tell you, and it's common sense, that when the bee shows up, you don't get to start swinging at it. If you start swinging at the bee and start exerting all sorts of energy towards the bee, what's going to happen? You're going to get stung. My God. When the bee shows up, you're supposed to stand still. Instead of screaming like Pastor Andrew, you stand still and you see you're in a position where that bee that has that stinger and that bee that seemed and proposed itself as something bigger because it can just like something huge like it's something that it that it just by default has to mess you up somebody sees where i'm going with this thing and you know oftentimes we exert a whole bunch of energy but uh, you know as i was standing there the lord just put in my heart he's just like he was just like you need to get to the place that when the bees start coming your way and when the stuff that you're facing starts buzzing and acting like it's bigger than you you got to get to the place where you stand still and see the salvation of the lord too many of us been swinging in fear because we're scared and screaming and acting up and invo- investing emotional. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen because I'm preaching to myself. The fact is you've been exerting all your money. You've been exerting all your energy in fear because you're scared. But God is saying you need to get to the place where instead of swinging your arms and instead of tripping out that you got to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I hear Exodus chapter 14 verse 13 uh, and 14 you know where at where Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt and they were in this position where they were in bondage and the Bible says that they came up upon the Red Sea somebody say the Red Sea and as they got to the Red Sea there was a they were it was messed up and they were like what in the world did you bring us out here to perish in the wilderness because Moses uh Moses the, the Egyptians who they left who had them in bondage who God delivered them from were coming up behind them and were trying to put them into a position where they were trapped between them and the Red Sea and they would mess them up who am I talking to on this morning and so they had uh, a number of options man I feel this thing uh, i'm preaching to myself i feel it i feel it look look see they could have decided to turn around and fight the thing that had them bound before they could have turned around and decided that they were going to go and invest their energy in the in the army who was behind them but god tells moses see what's in your hand i'm gonna do a miracle with that rod in your hand he was forecasting that he's getting ready to split that red sea that's in front of him and he says you just need to stand still some translations say stand firm somebody shout stand still and see the salvation of the lord man i don't know who i'm talking to on this morning but i showed up with a preach to let you know that i don't know what it is that you're facing but i'm here to tell you baby that instead of swinging and investing your energy and going nuts over what you're up against to stand still and watch your god that is bigger than anything you face watch your god that has owns the cattle on a thousand hills watch your god who the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell there 
therein. Watch your God who is holding this world together in the palm of his hands. Watch your God be able to bring you to a place of deliverance. Stand still. One more time. Shout stand still. Yes, ma'am. Length of suffering doesn't determine our deliver, our situational, um, doesn't determine, see, I'm, I'm, I'm messing it up because that's just so good to me. The length of our suffering doesn't determine our desire for deliverance, number one. Number two, many times we fear what life, uh, what life will be like outside of our situational cage. Number three, our perspective is often rooted in our reality instead of God's ability. Somebody say number four. And number four, our hope is often hindered by the preceding deliverance of others. Let me say that one more time and I'll show you where it is in the text. Our hope is often hindered by the preceding deliverance of others. Look at what this man, as we go back to the text, look at how he answers Jesus when Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? The Bible says, the Bible says in the text, look, uh, it, it says in, in verse, uh, verse six, when Jesus saw him lying there, knew how long he had already been there. He says, do you want to be healed? Number seven, the sick man answered him. This is his answer in relation to Jesus's question. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and watch this B part. He says, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. So he's making efforts to get into the pool. He's putting his efforts there. But every time it seems like he's putting forward his efforts, he says, somebody steps down in front of me. Have you ever been in a position where you've been facing something that you wanted to get out of? You've been facing something that you've been, it was, you've been up against and it seems like other people are just showing up and getting their miracle and getting their breakthrough before you? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been there. It's, it's the craziest thing. I mean, you've been the one that's been practicing. You've been the one that's been putting all your effort. You've been the one that's been investing all of your money and doing stuff. And oftentimes, it seems as if others are stepping in front of you. But I'm here to tell you, baby, uh, it's because somebody else got theirs now doesn't mean that you can't get your miracle from the Lord. Who am I talking to? I came to charge your faith this morning because oftentimes we become haters because we lose hope because of what God does for others but you need to mature to the place sometimes God's just maturing you to the place where you know how to be a cheerleader for somebody else come on somebody in order so you can God can know that you can even have the heart that's ready to be able when he brings the thing into your life Man, I'm telling you, I love to see my friends get blessed. That's why you always hear us praying at this church for TCC and for other churches, man. And every Sunday, people be like, why do you do that? You want people to go to their church? I don't care. At the end of the day, we all work for the same kingdom. Come on, somebody. If TCC prospers, Surf City Church is prospering. If Malvern up the street prospers, Surf City Church is prospering. I don't care who else gets blessed in the kingdom because if they get blessed, we all get blessed. And you got to get to the place where you're not just shouting for your blessing but you're able to shout when you see your neighbors get blessed even if they get what you've been waiting for for a long time he says there's people that step down in front of me every time i'm in that position so realize our hope is often hindered by the preceding deliverance of others especially when you three oh, i've been in that position for so long and they just they just like we become god like they just don't deserve it who are you 
to determine when somebody deserves it. And you know, can I help you? Can I just help somebody just to understand something? Do you know that sometimes a pin to you is a sword to somebody else? And so you look at somebody and you judge them with your carnal eyes and say, oh, they only been through it for three years. But you don't know the magnitude of hellism that they went through in those three years might have been even more than you faced in the 30 that you've been going through it. And oftentimes we look at people and judge and determine our situation or compare it to theirs when we don't realize that a pin to us may be a sword to someone else and vice versa. So that's why you don't compare what God is doing in your life. Sometimes he's waiting. He's causing you to be in a position where he's waiting to do what you need in, in your life because he wants to prepare you first. And so moving on, our last one, the last one here, you know, in fact, in John chapter five, uh, I'm bringing this plane down for landing. But John chapter five, verse 14, it says afterwards, Jesus found him. So the guy gets healed. Somebody say healed. He gets healed and we're going to unpack this miracle more in the weeks ahead. But it's an amazing thing that when he gets healed, that when he gets healed, the Bible says that because Jesus slipped away because the people were trying to trip on him and and all this crazy stuff. And so watch this. The Bible says in verse 14, stay with me. Look at what Jesus says to him. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more. That nothing worse may happen to you. Can I give you number five? Oftentimes, Jesus has to ask us the question, will you be made whole? And this is the reason why. This is the mindset that we have. Because our disgrace often blocks our view of his grace. Let me say that one more time. Our disgrace often blocks our view of his grace. Some of us, the reason why when Jesus asks you, will you be made whole? And God has extended the opportunity for you to come out of the thing that may have you bound. Oftentimes we say, well, I'm not good enough. Have you ever been there? Uh, you know, the thing that I'm facing, man, God couldn't want to deal with me or, or, or mess with me based on what I'm facing. Some of you might be suffering with some weird sexual addictions and some things that you're up against or, or some stuff that you don't even want people to talk about. You don't want to tell nobody about. Have you ever been in that place before? I know I've been in some place before i'm like man i don't want to tell nobody that and you don't even realize that oftentimes the person that's sitting next to you may be dealing with the same stuff that you're dealing with because my bible says in first corinthians 10 13 that there's no temptation that has taken you or overtaken you that is not common to man come on somebody and so the devil what he wants to do is to put you in a position where you get isolated and you don't talk to anybody because he knows that you're weak by yourself but there's power in numbers he wants you to feel like the thing that you're that you're up against is such a mess come on church and it's so messed up that you can you can you feel like you have leprosy you can't be around anybody but i'm here to tell you today that there's nothing that you are facing that is beyond the grace of God man I'm just I wonder if it's anybody in this place that's been saved I mean you're sure enough saved and you're just so thankful because of the grace of God man you know we sing that song and we sing it even times that don't even make no sense but we sing it and the amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me come on church I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see this guy I love it this is why I'm mentioned it look jesus found him after he was healed and then said sin no more somebody say sin no more jesus healed him before he told him sin no more 
Somebody catch that revelation. Jesus healed him, then found him later and said, go sin no more. You know what that tells me? He didn't have to be good enough. Come on, somebody. He didn't have to be in a position. Yes, it was important that he went on and didn't continue in sin. Some of the things that many of us face, we think that we're facing them because of our sin. And sometimes the stuff that we are in is because of our sin. And it would seem that it was indicative by that that passage and by what Jesus said that what he was facing was because of sin. But the fact is the text makes it clear that Jesus doesn't deal with his sin until after he brings him to a place of healing I don't know who I showed up to minister to today uh, who feels like you're not worthy who feels like you're not worth it who feels like God can't do this thing for you but I'm here to tell you baby that Jesus didn't die for you when you had it all together come on somebody Jesus didn't die for you when you got it all together and the fact is that until he returns we're always going to be in a place of imperfection unless your last name is Christ your boo-boo's always gonna stink come on somebody and your mess ups are never going to be to the place where you are in a place of perfection but i'm so glad for god's grace his grace his marvelous grace the hymn says grace that is greater than all of my sin somebody say thank god for grace there's where sin abounds grace abounds the more the bible says i don't know what you're facing i don't know what you're going through but god's grace is greater i don't know about the mess up don't let your feeling of disgrace hinder you from experiencing god's grace can i talk to a church i feel life just coming into somebody right there just through that word that that don't matter what you're facing doesn't matter what you're up against that god's grace is greater and so just as a recap Oftentimes, Jesus asked this question. Remember, are you ready? I'm asking you because sometimes the length of our suffering doesn't determine our desire for deliverance. Number two, many times we fear what life will be like outside of our situational cage. Number three, our perspective is often rooted in our reality instead of God's ability. Number four, our hope is often hindered by the preceding deliverance of others. And number five, and I just want you to hear this and just grab it. Our disgrace often blocks us or blocks our view of his grace. Yeah, Jesus doesn't want you to walk in sin and be in a place where, you know, the things that may have been caused by your errors come back on you. But he wants you to encounter him first. And he'll give you the strength and the grace to be able to walk according to his will and according to his word. Who am I preaching to on this morning? And so as I close out today, and you can hit the lights, as I close out today, I want you to understand that, I'm going to just mention this and note this, the Bible doesn't record that Jesus healed everyone at the pool. It doesn't record that everybody got a healing at the pool. Jesus came and he found this man. And he chose and he positioned, he was in the position to heal this guy. And this guy ends up getting healed and delivered from his situation and we're going to explore why in the next two weeks over the next two weeks but i want you to understand this i want to note this not everybody always comes out of their situation and sometimes the hardships we face are for our betterment sometimes for a season 
sometimes for a longer period of time but we know that God sends and allows these things to happen because of our betterment and for our good but can I just tell, give you some news it's not our responsibility to determine who God will heal or who God will deliver or try to make ignorant excuses and make stuff up when things don't happen according to our plans are you with me and so because this is the case our job is to believe God and our job is to preach and believe with others for them to be able to get out of what they're going through are you with me on this morning and can I let you know that some of us the reason why we haven't even experienced deliverance is because we already cast judgment on ourselves that God didn't even say to us you already determined that God doesn't want to bring you up he didn't tell you that but you told yourself that and so when he asks you do you want to be made whole you say no for him and you know Kareem you know he said his dad always used to tell him don't say people's no for them in fact look at somebody tell him don't say God's no for him some of us been saying God's no for him he didn't tell you no but you've been saying no for him and so my encouragement is to you have you tried him if you tried him and he said no that's one thing but have you have you believed him have you asked him when he's asking you will you be made it's his will and his desire his heart is for people to be free have you checked and see God can you do it for me and so this, he, this afternoon, this is my encouragement to you.